Well, good morning, Gateway. How's everyone today? Doing well? Good to see everybody here. Beautiful day out. At least it was when I came in. It's starting to get a little cloudy, maybe, but we need some rain too, right? Got to get those, got to get that grass growing so we get the mud, right? Well, it's good to see everybody here today, and uh, we're, we're honored that you're here. And we're going to continue our sermon series on the very short but practical book of James. James is an awesome book of the Bible, and you know, it was written by Jesus' brother, who at first didn't even really believe Jesus was the Savior, but he went on to become one of the most influential leaders of the early church. And a lot of scholars believe that James was the first book of the New Testament, and it was written to the earliest believers. James wrote this book to the tribes that were scattered, the tribes being persecuted for their faith, and he was reminding them that, you know, your life is going to look different than the lives of people who don't follow Christ. The way you behave is going to be different than folks who don't follow Jesus. And James talked about a faith that works. Aren't you glad to have a faith that works today? You know, it's a faith we've talked about that works when we face troubles and trials, when we face problems. It's a faith that works when we deal with all kinds of temptations. It's a faith that works when we don't show partiality among other people. And James says it's a faith that works when you and I as believers actually put it into practice. It's a faith that works for us, a faith that works through us, and it's a faith that works for the glory of God's kingdom. And today we're going to look at James chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. And in the first 12 verses of chapter 3, James is talking about in order for us to have a faith that works... We have to be able to control our mouths. <laughs> Amen. Does anybody else struggle with controlling your mouth? Yeah, probably every hand ought to go up if we're being honest. Uh, you've all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think that is one of the biggest lies ever told. What do you all think? Amen. That is a lie. You know, sticks and st words may not hurt us physically, but they sure can hurt us on the inside, can't they? You know, you, you, words sometimes are spoken with innocence. Sometimes they're spoken with malice. But regardless of the intent, words stay with us. Words are powerful, and they have the ability to hurt. I'm going to give Dave the credit for the title of today's sermon. The title of today's sermon is, A Faith That Works When You Lick Your Tongue. So everybody go ahead and try that, okay? Try that. Can you lick your tongue? Any, anybody do that? How about if one hand clap? Yeah. How about uh, can you can you guys curl your tongues? Can anybody do the that thing? Uh, there was somebody here first service who could do a double curl. Can anybody do that? We actually gave him a round of applause. We thought that was pretty pretty impressive. You know these tongue contortions can be hard, right? But they're not near as hard as what we're going to talk about today. So I hope y'all brought your steel toe boots. This might be a toe stepping sermon. I know it is for me. Because let's face it, some of us, me included, let our tongues get us into all kinds of trouble. Research says that the average man speaks between two and 3,000 words a day. And the average woman speaks between 10,000 and 20,000 words per day. My wife was here first service, so I can, I can go on with this illustration. She's not here now. Um, <laughs> but, but then the research goes on to say that only 700 words for, from both men and women per day are actually words of value. 
Think about that. I thought that was pretty low. And value is assessed based on whether both people to the conversation thinks that the words were, were important. So we only utter about 700 words a day of actual value. So guys, we should be proud because we're being efficient with the way we use our words. Ladies, you do the math. <laughs> but, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's not really the quantity of our words that matter. It's the quality of our words, right? It's the quality of our words. And, you know, uh, it reminds me of the story of the guy who became a monk and he took a vow of silence. And the deal was he could only speak two words at the end of every three years. Think about that. So the first three-year period comes to an end. He walks into the head monk's office and he says, food cold. Three more years go by. He walks into the head monk's office and his two words, robe dirty. <laughs> three more years go by. This is a total of nine years. He walks into the head monk's office and he says, I quit. You know what the head monk said? He said, that doesn't surprise me. The only thing you've done since you've been here is complain. <laughs> but complaining, <laughs> complaining's a, a bad part of our culture, isn't it? We are people in America today that love to complain. And it seems like social media platforms make our complaining even easier because we don't have to interact with the people we're lodging our complaints against. You just put it online. You know, having a controlled tongue is so important for us as believers. And James, you might remember Jesus. He said in Matthew 12, 36, he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And Isaiah obviously sensed the importance. The prophet Isaiah, he, when he saw a vision of God's throne room, his response in Isaiah 6, 5, we're told he had woe over his unclean lips. And of course, James told us already back in James chapter 1, we talked about several weeks ago, that we should be quick to listen and slow to do what? Slow to speak. Maybe not as slow as that monk, <laughs> but choosing the right words to say at the right time is a hard lesson for us sometimes. And maybe we are better off kind of taking a vow of silence than to speak words that actually harm people. This morning... You've heard the phrase, loose lips sink what? Ships. ships. We're going to talk about ships. James writes about ships when he talks about the tongue. And so for the note takers, point number one today, the tongue is powerful. The tongue is powerful. James chapter three, the first five verses. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. You know, James has a lot of wisdom packed in a very tiny book. And James is kind of the, the New Testament version of Proverbs. You know, Proverbs, there were a lot of wise sayings in one-liners. And uh, Proverbs has over 90 things to say about speech. That's more than Proverbs says about money, sex, relationships, or any other topic. 
So is it very important for us to take note and think about the way we use our speech? Let's, let's cover a couple of Proverbs here this morning. We'll look at four. Proverbs 10, 14 says, A wise man holds his tongue. Only a fool blurts out everything he knows. That only leads to sorrow and trouble. Proverbs 15, 2 says, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So if death and life are in the power of the tongue, then the tongue's pretty powerful, isn't it? You know, you might think about a king or a ruler who has the ability to determine if someone lives or dies by uttering a word. Maybe you think of the gladiator movies. Y'all remember the gladiator movie where the emperor could say, thumb up or thumb down, and determine the fate of a person. The tongue has the power of death and life. So if we want a faith that works as a church here in this valley, then it starts with our tongues, doesn't it? Now, this passage of Scripture from James chapter 3 is uncomfortable for me, maybe more so than a lot of you folks, because James starts off talking about addressing those of us who preach and teach. And it's important that we preach and that we teach from a right heart, a pure heart. Now, the opportunity to stand up here is great, and it's an awesome privilege but I'm going to make mistakes, right? Any preacher who stands up here is going to make mistakes. No one is perfect. But hopefully no one ever intentionally leads you away from the truth. But when you have the ability of a, of a pulpit or a classroom uh, teacher who has a position in a, in a room full of kids or adults, that is an awesome opportunity because people can be influenced by lessons and sermons. So James is warning all of us, be careful with the words you use. Choose your words wisely. Because words, we can use our words to build up or tear down, can't we? We can use our words to announce forgiveness or to bring condemnation. You and I can use our words to preach the gospel that helps people come to know Jesus. Or we can use our words to lead them in the other direction. So it matters what we say. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. Matters what we say. And James uses a lot of powerful imagery here when he talks about the tongue and the power of the tongue. He talks about a horse's bit and a ship's rudder. Any horse riders in here? Me either. I'm afraid of horses, I'll tell you that. They scare me. They're, they're so big, right? How about uh, boat people? Anybody here drive a boat? All right, he does. She's pointing to him. Okay, good deal. So, you know, when, when we talk about the notion of saying something stupid, maybe we think about the other end of the horse, but what we're talking about here in James is actually the front end of the horse, where the bit goes. And the bit in size, when compared to the size of a horse, is very small, isn't it? But that small bit is used to direct the horse and whatever that horse might be pulling in whatever direction the rider wants to go. And the same thing with a ship's rudder. A big ocean liner is massive, right? Especially the ones that bring those big crates over from Europe or wherever. And a, a small rudder, small in size compared to the size of the ship, determines where that ship goes. And when compared to the rest of our bodies, the tongue, on average, is just three inches long. So it's small when compared to our bodies. But if the bit 
can direct the horse and the rudder can direct the ship, then James says the tongue can direct us, right? It can direct us. And so a question we have to answer is, which direction do we want to go? Do we want to go toward life or toward death? Do we want to go toward success or towards failure? Do we want to go toward healthy relationships or unhealthy relationships? For the Christian, do we want to go toward a faith that works or a faith that's dead? The power is in your mouth, James says. And that is why the tongue is so powerful. And I don't know about you, but that's a lot for us to process. And maybe you think, well, James, you've made your point. But he didn't because he goes on. He goes on to what we're labeling point number two. We said point number one, the tongue is powerful. Number two, the tongue is dangerous. James chapter three, verses five through six. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. That's some powerful words James is using. You know, there's a story about a lady in Los Angeles who took her own life. And when they found her suicide note, it contained two words. They said. They said. You know, have you ever felt the weight of the words they said. Or maybe you've spent your life trying to prove them wrong. Or maybe we've been one of the people who has been one of them who said something that's weighed so heavily on somebody that it's, it's changed the course of their life. That is why James compares the damage that can be done by the tongue to the damage that can be done with a spark of fire, just a small spark of fire. Many years ago, when I was hopefully less wise than I am now, I was trying to burn some brush, and it was damp. And the fire was not taking off. It would just kind of start and burn out immediately. So I got the bright idea after trying many times to go to my garage and get my gas can. And I came back out, and there was a leaf still smoldering with a, just a tiny little spark still lit up. So I poured the gas can onto that leaf, thinking that would be a good place to start. And you know what happened? I don't really know what happened because I was blown backward. I didn't get to see what happened. But when I realized what had occurred, I noticed the nozzle of my gas can was melted and the brush pile was gone. So the goal was accomplished, but not in a very smart way, right? <laughs> Just a tiny little spark had the ability to do all that. And I still think about that when I have, I still deal with that melted uh, nozzle. Probably not the smartest thing, but I still remember that lesson. That's what James is saying. It just takes a small spark, one little bit of gossip, one word spoken when you get angry, one little biting remark or one misplaced criticism, one little white lie as we like to label it sometimes. Just one word, just a tiny spark can set a whole mountainside ablaze. And our words don't even have to be intentionally hateful sometimes to do great harm. So the tongue is dangerous. It's also dangerous because we can't get back the words we speak, can we? There's no putting them back. You know, you think about our world and the way social media is, your digital footprint, they call it. 
You can put something out there, and let's say you regret it, so you delete it. Guess what? It's still there somewhere, right? Someone a lot smarter than me has the ability to find it, even though I've deleted it. So it's out there forever. It's the same way with the words we speak. There's no taking them back. There's a story about a lady who lived in an Indian village long ago, and she was maliciously spreading gossip about another lady and her family who lived in that same village. And she spread it all over the area. And then one day, this lady had a change of heart. She realized she'd been wrong in all the stuff she'd been spreading about this family. And so she wanted to try to make it right. So she goes to the wise man of the village. And she says, what can I do to take back all the vile and malicious things I've said about this lady and her family? You know what the wise man told her? He said, go home and kill all your chickens. And then one by one, pluck out their feathers. Put the feathers in a bag and come back to see me. But on your way back to see me, I want you to spread those feathers along the path. So the lady thought, well, that's a little weird, wouldn't you? But she did as the wise man told her. She got back to the wise man with her empty bag. She said, now what? He said, okay. Now I want you to turn around and go back home. And on your way back home, I want you to pick up every feather you scattered and put it back into your bag. And the lady said, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. There's no way I can do that. By now, the wind has spread those feathers clear across the village and even beyond. The wise man said, so it is with your careless words. The woman left brokenhearted, but she was determined to watch what she said from that point forward. The tongue is dangerous. It can be like a small spark to set a mountainside ablaze, words we can't get back. And James says the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. The psalmist says in Psalm 120 verse 3, ask the question, O lying tongue, what shall be your fate? John Calvin says the tongue is a slender portion of flesh that contains the whole world of iniquity. And if we're honest with ourselves, church, the tongue is probably at the top of the list in the ways we can sin every day, right? And we fight it every single day, sometimes more than once or twice. But just like a small spark can burn down an entire city, our tongue has the power to destroy so many things in our lives. And James says it comes straight from hell. The Greek word he used here is juhenna, which is the word used by Jesus to describe the judgment place and the place of condemnation where Satan actually lives. So that's how powerful James has wanted to illustrate this point of how dangerous the tongue actually is. And it's important for us to remember that what we speak is a very strong indication of what's in our hearts, right? The message version of the Bible says it this way. It says, it only takes a small spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. So James could have stopped here by saying, hey guys, be careful because the tongue is powerful and it's dangerous, but he doesn't. He goes on to point number three, which is the tongue is untamable. The tongue is untamable. James chapter three, beginning at verse seven. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. 
But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Anybody in here been to SeaWorld? Few of you have. My family and I, we love SeaWorld. We love to go there and we love to watch the dolphin show and the orca show. And you know the orca is also known as what? The killer whale. The killer whale has no predators in the wild. It's the top of the food chain in the ocean. Did you know that? Nobody hunts the orca. It's the top of the top. It always amazes me that the killer whale, which has no predator, can be tamed to do tricks for our amusement, right? And I'm sure you've all seen wild animals be tamed. If you've been to a circus, you've seen a lion or a tiger or a bear. Thank you, somebody got it. You've seen them be tamed, right? You've seen snakes and eagles and, of course, the killer whale and dolphins. They've all been trained, and they can be trained. But when it's a predatory or predator-type animal, there's always a concern that the wild in them's going to come out, right? And that happened at SeaWorld a few years ago, where the orca actually killed somebody. And you, you hear it happening at circuses or shows. And sometimes the wild in these animals comes out. We're all familiar with people being hurt by dogs that turn wild and bite somebody. In my law practice, I've handled a lot of dog bite cases. I, I had a lady several years ago who actually had her entire ear bitten off by a dog. And dog bites happen so often that a lot of homeowners' policies now exclude certain types of breeds from coverage because of their dangerous propensities. But we're all familiar with the fact that the dangerous of the dangerous, as far as animals go, can be tamed and have been tamed. But James says the tongue, little three-inch piece of flesh, cannot be tamed by us. We can cage it. We can teach it some tricks like how to roll it and do all those contortions. We can even bite it sometimes, which I do a lot. Not as often as I should, but I do. But in the end, we cannot tame it, James says. We can defang it. Some people defang snakes, but you can't remove the venom. The Living Bible, which is a paraphrase, says verse 8 this way. It says, the tongue is always ready to pour out its deadly poison. One bad look from somebody, one piece of gossip that we can't keep to ourselves, one tirade that plays out when we get exhausted, one thoughtless word slipping through our filter. Anybody in here struggle with your filter? Now, I've heard a lot of people brag about that. Well, I don't have a filter. I just say what I think. That's nothing to be proud of, folks. Amen? Amen. You know, people say, I'll oh, just tell it like it is. Well, just because you think that's the way it is doesn't mean someone else thinks it's that way. We need to, instead of bragging about not having a filter, we need to pray to God to help us shore up our filters, help us grow our filters, maybe thicken our filters. Because it's important that we watch the words we say. Because one wrong word and a fire rages. One wrong word, and a lion goes out and devours somebody. That's the imagery here. And James says, we got to watch that. 
And he goes on to talk about what you might call the forked tongue. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. People say it about lawyers all the time, right? We're, some of us are guilty of that. You speak out of both sides of your mouth. And James is saying what, what's happening here is you come on Sunday morning and you sing praises and you amen, but on Monday you fling around the cuss words and you discourage people and condemn them with your words. Maybe in your quiet time you pray and you read scripture, but then you go on social media and blast somebody or share something that's not right. Blessing and cursing with the same tongue. And James says, Christians, this isn't right. People who follow Jesus should not do that. This is not what God intended for us. You see, God wants to transform us more and more each day into the image of his son, right? And that includes our tongues as well. Like a spring of fresh water, we should spew forth fresh water. James says the fig tree is created to produce figs, and the grapevine is created to produce grapes, and we as God's people should produce what God intended for us to produce. So what can we do? James already said you can't tame it. So does that mean we just say, well, that's the way I am. <laughs> Take me or leave me. No, that's not at all what we do. In fact, there's only one thing we can do. First of all, we got to use our tongue to confess and repent. And then we use that same tongue to ask for God's help. Can I get an amen on that? Ask for God's help. You see, it's only by his grace and the power of his spirit that dwells in us as baptized believers. It's only with that power that we'll ever get to a point where we can lick the tongue, right? Where we can take care of this problem. And so, you know, you might be thinking this morning, gosh, this has kind of been a negative sermon, just talking about the negativity of the tongue. But let me tell you the positive part. The positive part is you've never been asked to do any of this alone. In fact, you're told that you can't. It's only with the help of God's Spirit dwelling in you that we can work to tame and control our tongues. So the question is, are we doing that? Is that our goal? You know, Paul says in Galatians 5, through 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there's no law. When we talk about the tongue, we got to have self-control. But the only way to have self-control is through Jesus Christ. We need Jesus. We need God's help in this area of our lives, in all areas, but especially when we talk about the tongue. You know, Ephesians 4.29 says this. Paul writes, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So Paul's telling us that we're to use our words to build others up, to be an encouragement, to bring glory to God. We should be trying to use our words to benefit others, not ourselves, right? We should be using our words to lift others up according to what they need, not what we need. Does my behavior on social media help build other people up and encourage them? Or do I just use it to whine and complain about the food being cold or the drive through taking too long, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. What are we doing with our words? Because God wants more for us than that. You know, last week, Easter, we celebrated Resurrection Day. The fact that our Christ rose from the dead. 
And we answered the question, how do we get right with God? You remember what we said the answer to that question was? Through Jesus, right? He's the only way to get to God. So the question for the week after Easter is, what do we do now? What do we do now as we try to live out this faith that works? Well, here's what we do. We get into God's word. We start praying about these things. We start hanging out with other Christians who want to lift us up and help us up instead of the people who just want to drag us down. And we start living in grace by the power of God's Holy Spirit, asking him to transform our lives, including our tongues, into being the people, the men and women he wants us to be. This week, church, may we use our tongues to bless others, to encourage and build others up. That's part of having this faith that works. Our words should benefit others and should benefit God's kingdom. Amen? So here's our challenge this week. Let's all ask God to help us use our tongues to live out this faith that works so that when we speak to others this week, they see the hope we have in Christ and they want that hope too. Let's use our words this week that when we see somebody complain, let's offer them a positive word, something to look forward to, something to take and get over that negativity in their life. Let's be shining lights out there at the grocery store, in the office, in the school, wherever we find ourselves. Because this world needs Jesus. Amen? Amen. And this world needs us as believers to use our words in ways that help people see him. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful, so grateful to be your children. Father, we're thankful to be here today. And Lord, I just pray that you be with each heart who's here. I pray, Father, you be with each heart that's heard your word today. And Lord, the tongue is something we all struggle with. And you knew that. In fact, you told us this would be a struggle. And you told us that apart from you, we cannot do it. Lord, I pray that we listen to your spirit this week. Please guide us and let us follow with the things we say, the things we post, the influence we have with our tongues. And God, I pray that you will help us to be living examples of a faith that works in all things. Father, we know that we can't do this on our own. We've never been asked to. But Father, help us to draw from your power and your strength. And Lord, help us to grow each day walking in the light. God, I pray that you be with everyone here today. And Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, I pray they will make that decision to become a Christian before it's too late. Protect us this week and help us to be good examples. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. You know, if you're here and you have a need, we're here to meet needs. If that need is that you're not a Christian and you'd like to talk about the next step, we're here for that. If you're searching for a church family, we pray that this is the answer to that question. But if you want to talk with us about that, we're here to do that. If, if you have a need or, or have some good news, we're here for that too. Uh, John will be down on this side. I'll be over here. Come talk to us as we stand and sing our closing song.